and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on uh, Spotify and Anchor FM and several other platforms that we do Sunshine USA on. It is a great joy <clears throat> for me to welcome you to Sunshine USA. I'm Warren Landis, the host and the Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. Uh, I tell you, my throat's uh, <laughs> kind of creepy uh, today a little bit. I think I've got a lot of that sinus drainage, and it's affecting my throat and voice a little bit. So just uh, bear with me this evening. We are starting a brand new uh, Bible study here at Sunshine USA. Uh, this evening we begin uh, taking a look at First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, this was a ministry of Paul to the church at Thessalonica. And we learn from the book of Acts that Paul spent about three Sabbath days in Thessalonica. That would be about three or four weeks in Thessalonica. Um, preaching the word of God in the synagogue, uh, which was a typical Pauline custom. He would go into the synagogues and probably the first people to hear Paul were the Jews. And then later, Gentiles would be added to the group. But we also know that Paul was eventually forced to leave uh, Thessalonica because of the fear that if he didn't, it would bring persecution to the believers there. And Paul did not want other believers to suffer persecution in the way that he was suffering from persecution. And so... Paul, after three Sabbaths, uh, made a decision <clears throat> to leave Thessalonica. But he didn't go far away. He went to the south, to Corinth. And most Bible scholars believe it is from Corinth that Paul wrote both 1 Thessalonians as well as 2 Thessalonians. And like all the other churches that Paul wrote to, Paul had a great love for the people of Thessalonica. Now let's uh, go ahead, if we can, and go to the Bible. I'm using my digital Bible on... Um, My smartphone and you know that's a marvelous thing I think it's probably the best kind of app you can have on your smartphone and that's a Bible app in fact I have at least two Bible apps on my smartphone one is Bible Gateway and the other one is Bible Hub and the Bible app that I use on this program typically is Bible Hub and in particular, the Berean Study Bible, which I understand is now available on print, even though initially it was available only online. But it has become a version of the Bible with growing popularity and respect for accuracy. And we see that Paul starts off like he does many of his other letters with the word of greetings, 
In verse 1 it says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Now Silvanus is a more formal word for Silas. So what we have here are Paul, Silas, and Timothy, those three. Uh, like I say, Paul knew the importance of teamwork. He knew the importance of teamwork. He knew that he could not do all by himself the work that God had for him to do. He knew that it was going to require teamwork and lots of it. And in Paul's letter, we put all of Paul's letters together. We could compile an interesting list of people that helped Paul. Now these are not well-known names. Some of them appear in the Bible only once. And then Paul had other helpers that he didn't even name. Now you and I have to understand when we do work for God, we too have to realize we cannot do everything ourselves. Ideally, we teach others and help others so that they can join us in the work that we're doing. You know, they say one of the roles of the pastor is the role of equipping the saints, helping the saints to work for the glory of God. Amen. That is so important. And then we find that Paul is writing to the church of the Thessalonians. In God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. <clears throat> so the introduction that we find in verse 1 is a fairly typical routine Pauline introduction. Then we come to verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, remembering you in our prayers and continually recalling before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and your enduring hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what he does here. He starts off by saying that he is um, basically and essentially praying for the church there at Thessalonica. And he's praying for them continually. I would dare say he probably prayed for them every single day. Or almost every single day. And then he talks about the work of the church of Thessalonica. He says, your work of faith. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, without faith. It is impossible to please him. Because we must understand that typically God will call on you and me to do things that are bigger than we can do all by ourselves. Um, I heard one pastor say one time he wanted to attempt something so big for God. that if God took his finger off the work, he would fall flat on his face. I heard about another pastor. He 
had just become pastor of a church that had a Christian school, had a daycare ministry, a Bible institute, radio and television ministry, and they asked him, how do you pastor a church like this with over 2,000 members? And he had a very good answer. He said, in the flesh, I can't do it. But I can only do it because I've received the power to do so from the Holy Spirit and also the wisdom to do the job. But he said, if God ever took his hand off me, I'm a dead duck. <clears throat> and that is so true. Then he says, brothers. Now he could also inject the word sisters here as well. Who are beloved of God, we know that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with great conviction. He says, and, and we um, lived among you, and uh, just as you know, we lived among you for your sake. Now, he says here, God has chosen you. You know, a lot of times we think we have chosen God, but really it's God who's chosen us. And that ought to make us feel pretty special. In fact, we were the chosen of God all along. The Bible says before the foundation of the world. And it kind of reminds me of my boyhood days when I was in elementary school. A lot of times at, race, at recess, uh, we would divide up into teams, two teams, usually to play kickball. And um, inevitably, I was one of the last people to ever get picked. And sometimes it became obvious that no team actually wanted me. And I remember one very painful day in particular. Both team captains made it pretty clear they did not want me. Then the teacher kind of got agitated at those two team captains. And she said, well, I want you all to know we cannot start playing until somebody picks Warren. You, you see, those words did not make me feel very good. It did not make me feel very good that I was not wanted by either one of the team captains. But later when I became a Christian, and especially once I realized that it was actually God who had chosen me, boy, I tell you, that made me feel like a million dollars. Especially when I realized that God had chosen me before the foundation of the world. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful for that. It says, Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, with great conviction. 
just as you know we lived among you for your sake. And indeed they did. Now one of the things that the people of Thessalonica learned from Paul is he was not a lazy man. You see, there were some people in Thessalonica who accused Paul of seemingly being successful in the ministry by using tricks or gimmicks to get people to respond to Christ. Paul was flabbergasted. He knew that nothing, I mean absolutely nothing, could be further from the truth. He knew that he was preaching the gospel and getting results because God's hand was upon his ministry. Another thought here, too, is that in Paul's day, especially in the Greek culture, it was very popular for a lot of Greek men to go around as public speakers, and they would charge admission for their speeches, and some of them became incredibly wealthy. And so Paul made it a point not to charge anybody for his preaching. Of course, he never did anyway. And he didn't even really take up an offering. In fact, he worked as a tent maker. So he could illustrate in front of them what it was to be a worker and that working was a good virtue. That indeed and in fact work was a good four-letter word. And Paul says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord when you welcomed the message with the joy of the Holy Spirit in spite of your great suffering. Now Paul knew that in many ways this was a church that was suffering. They were not having an easy time of it. But yet they welcomed Paul and his message. And they became imitators of Paul and Christ. And you know that is something that all of us should seek after as Christians. To be imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact when the Christians in the New Testament... When they were first called Christians, it was, you'll remember, in Antioch. Of course, now, when they were called Christians, number one, this was a name given to them by unbelievers. And it literally meant little Jesuses. Only when these believers were called Christians or little Jesuses, it was not said in a complimentary way. It was usually considered a derogatory term. But nonetheless, we understand that we as Christians are to be imitators of Christ. And once again, we can't do that on our own. 
we find that living the Christian life in our own strength is virtually impossible. The only way you and I can live the Christian life is to invite the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life in and through us. And hopefully when people observe us, when they see how we live, when, we, when they see how we deal with our problems, they come away convinced that indeed we have a faith in the Lord. Paul goes on to say, as a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only did the message of the Lord ring out from you to Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone out to every place so that we have no need to say anything more. For they themselves report what kind of welcome you gave us and how you turned out, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to await his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus our deliverer from the coming wrath. Now, it was this teaching on the second coming of Christ that actually became misunderstood by many Thessalonians. And as a result, um, they had a hard time financially, but it was really a self-induced problem because of their unwillingness to labor. Now you'll recall in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when Paul talks about what I believe is the rapture, he says, And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the child, and the voice of the archangel. And they were led to believe that this could happen at any time. Paul, during most of his lifetime, honestly believed that the rapture would take place in his lifetime. He honestly believed that. It was only toward the end of his life that he began to realize that very possibly this would not be the case that the second coming of Christ or the rapture would take place further down the line. But because some Thessalonians believe that Christ could come back at any time, they didn't bother some of them to look for jobs. They said, well, you know, why go out and get a job? Why earn money? You know, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back really soon, probably in a few days or a few weeks. So why don't we just sit around and wait for him? Now, of course, you understand what thinking like that did to them. Thinking like that resulted in them not having a lot of money. And when the church members didn't have a lot of money, guess what? The church didn't have a lot of money either. This was another reason why Paul was very glad that he could work among them as a tent maker. 
to show them the virtue of work. Working with your hands, laboring. I mean, it's true that God is going to supply our needs, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to do what we can do for ourselves. Amen. So that will bring us to the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Where Paul talks a little bit more about his ministry among them. He says, uh, you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit to you was not in vain. And that was so true. I mean, even if the trip sometimes ends up differently than we expect, doesn't mean that it was in vain. Maybe you go on a mission trip with your church. And maybe because of weather conditions or economic conditions in another country, you can't go into that country. Maybe that country has some unrest and you can't go there. But even when things don't go exactly as planned, we can know that the trip itself was not in vain. Because you still got to tell people about Jesus. Now granted, you might have told a different group of people about Jesus, but still you got to tell people about Jesus. He says, as you were aware, we had already endured suffering and shameful treatment in Philippi. And of course, you can remember reading about how Paul and Silas were in prison there in Philippi. In fact, the Bible says they were in the inner prison. They were in the most secure part of the prison. But then there's something of an earthquake. And there was great fear that the prisoners would escape and the guards wanted to take their own life. And Paul and Silas said, you, you don't need to do that. We're all here. Nobody's escaped. Nobody's gone anywhere. But Paul faced in Philippi great persecution. He says, but in the face of strong opposition, we were bold in our God and to speak to you the gospel of God. One thing about Paul, he did not let opposition or persecution fear uh, deter him. In many ways, it actually emboldened him. It made him all the more determined to do everything he could to get out the gospel of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Amen. He says, For our appeal does not arise from deceit or ulterior motives or trickery. Now here we get to one of the accusations that was leveled against Paul. There were some in Thessalonica 
that accused Paul of using deceit, ulterior motives, and trickery as a means of reaching people for Christ in Thessalonica. And of course, Paul was telling these people, you yourselves know this was simply not the case. Instead, he says, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Now think about that. You and I as Christians, you and I as fellow ministers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Something of great value has been entrusted to us, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul says, not in order to please men, but God, who examines our hearts. In other words, he says, it's not just me telling you we did nothing wrong. God has made it very clear to us that we did nothing wrong. He's examined our hearts. He says, as you know, we never used words of flattery or any pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek praise from you or anybody else Although as uh, apostles of Christ, we had the authority to demand it. He says, on the contrary, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother caring for her children. We cared for you so deeply that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. This is how you, this is how beloved you have become to us. So he says, you know that we brought to you the gospel with great care, like a nurturing mother. Now one thing about a mother, a mother always has a desire to care for her children. If you notice in the animal kingdom, if you come across uh, a baby bear or a baby tiger or a baby lion, if you look like you're posing any kind of threat at all to the children, the mama bear or the mama lion or the mama tiger She's going to come at you with a vengeance. And this is the same way that Paul felt about the believers there in Thessalonica. Then Paul goes on to say, Surely you recall, brothers, our labor, our toil. We work night and day so that we would not be a burden to anyone while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless our conduct was among you who believe. 
So Paul says, once again, you guys know from your own observation, we leaned over backwards to do our own work with our own hands. We did not take up an offering for us as he would later point out. He certainly had the authority to do that. I mean, after all, he was preaching the gospel, and Paul made it clear that those who preach the word have a right to make a living from the word. But Paul says, no, we didn't do that. In our case, we worked night and day. The, the general idea was that during the daytime, Paul made tents. And then, at night, he would bring to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul saw to it that by day and night, he was a very busy man. Some would say in our day he was burning the candle at both ends. Amen. For you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Encouraging you, comforting you, and urging you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So he talks about the more specific work that they had of encouraging them, comforting them, and also inviting them to walk in a manner worthy of God. You see, I believe very much that God cares about what we do for Him. Now, we don't do anything for God in order to be saved, but we do things for God because we are saved. Works has nothing to do with your salvation, However, once God gives you that salvation, you should have a desire to work for and serve Him. Paul goes on to say, and we continually thank God, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as the true word of God the word which is now at work in you who believe. And so Paul is very thankful that they recognized the message that he brought was one that illustrated how he was bringing them a message from the Lord. A message from the Lord and not a message from mere man. And then he says, For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Judea that are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the very things that they suffered from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and drove us out as well. 
They are displeasing to God and hostile to all men, hindering us from telling the Gentiles how they may be saved. As a result, they continue to heap sins upon sins to full capacity, the utmost wrath has come upon them. In other words, he's saying that those who oppose God, who take a stand against God, he says they are heaping upon their sins to full capacity. In other words, they're going to be bringing the judgment of God down upon themselves. And then lastly, here in chapter 2, Paul addresses his longing to visit. Brothers, we were torn from you for a short time in person, but not in heart. Our desire to see you face to face was even more intense. For we wanted to come to you. Indeed, I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan obstructed us. Now, I've said this before on this program many times. You start doing something for God, I guarantee Satan is going to attack you with anything and everything he's got. That is a fact. If what you're doing has any value to God at all, Satan's going to attack it. Now, where you and I have to worry as Christians is when Satan chooses not to attack us. Because you see, if Satan chooses not to attack us, it means we're evidently not doing anything that's the, that is a threat to him. Paul goes on to say in verse 19, After all, who is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting, if it is not yourselves in the presence of the Lord Jesus that is coming, you are indeed our glory and our joy. And of course, those words bring us to the end. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And that will basically also bring us an end, or bring us to an end of our study this evening in First Thessalonians. It's interesting <laughs> that the very first night tonight that we're in First Thessalonians, we cover the first two chapters. I'm pretty well pleased with that. And I think you're going to see that God continues to have a lot of great work to do. Amen. Every time I read First and Second Thessalonians and these are two books I have to tell you I've read and studied many times at college, in seminary, and even on my own. I've preached a number of sermons from these two books. And I can tell you, every time I read First and Second Thessalonians, I get something altogether new out of it. This time is no exception. 
and it's going to be a very interesting study. That I do believe. Now, um, I do want to take time to wish all the fathers in our radio audience a happy Father's Day. I know here in the United States, tomorrow is Father's Day. And I don't know how many other countries have Father's Day. Or maybe you do, but it's at a different time of the year. But I know in this country, tomorrow is Father's Day. And even if your country doesn't have a Father's Day, it's always a good idea to take time to thank God for the fathers that he gave you. For the way that they loved you and provided for you and protected you and did great things for you. Amen. So I think that is very, very exciting. Now, another thing I want to share with you before we go this evening. Um, I got an email today from Spotify notifying me. They're starting a new service. It's called the Spotify Green Room. And this will allow me to chat with some of you guys. And in some cases, our... Discussions can be recorded and used on a future broadcast. And it might be an interesting addition in the future to this ministry called Sunshine USA. And um, even locally here in Greenville, South Carolina, I look forward to being able to start interviewing different people who are doing great things for God. Because I want you to know, even though I am doing my best to do for God what I can, I'm not by any means the only one out here doing something for God. There's other people that are doing it as well. And I thank God for that. Well, once again, if you have a Bible study question or a prayer request, you can shoot me an email. That's the best way to do it. I have two email addresses. One is... WarrenLandis at Yahoo.com and the other one is WarrenLandis at Gmail.com and I would love to hear from you and if you give me permission I'll share your Bible study questions and your prayer requests with the rest of our radio audience and that way um, you can have the comfort of knowing that Christians all across America and throughout the world are praying for you. Amen. So until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and I'll see you again next time on Sunshine USA.